On June the 17th, 2015, a 21-year-old white supremacist named Dylan Roof walked into a Bible study class at a church down in South Carolina. And there he shot and killed nine people, nine innocent people, all African-Americans, in a very sick, demented attempt to start a race war. That's what he wanted, to start a race war. I'm sure many of you remember the tragedy. It was all over the news when it happened. Dylan Roof has expressed no remorse for what he did on that June night two years ago. From all external indications, at least, he remains a hate-filled, very bitter man as he awaits his execution in prison. Just last month, a jury recommended the death penalty for Roof and the judge sentenced him to die by lethal injection, although the sentence has yet to be carried out. Now what's amazing about all this is the fact that, in stark contrast to his hatred and bitterness, is the love, mercy, and forgiveness that some relatives of the victims have expressed since these killings took place. In fact, just a few days after the murders, Family members were given the opportunity to speak directly to Roof and tell him whatever they wanted to tell him. Here are some of the things that were said on that occasion. Nadine Collier, the daughter of one of the victims, said, I forgive you. You took something very precious away from me. I will never get to talk to her ever again. I will never be able to hold her again. But I forgive you and have mercy on your soul. You hurt me, you hurt a lot of people. If God forgives you, I forgive you. Sister of another victim said this, That was my sister, and I'd like to thank you on behalf of my family for not allowing hate to win. For me, I'm a work in progress. And I acknowledge that I am very angry. But one thing that my sister always enjoined in our family is she taught me that we are the family that love built. We have no room for hating, so we have to forgive. I pray God on your soul. The granddaughter of one of those killed said this, Although my grandfather and the other victims died at the hands of hate, this is proof, everyone's plea for your soul is proof that they lived in love, and their legacies will live in love, so hate won't win. And finally, the relative of another victim, when asked about the message that she would give to Dylan Roof, she stated, I would just like him to know that, to say the same thing that was just said, I forgive him and my family forgives him. But we would like him to take this opportunity to repent. Repent. Confess. Give your life to the one who matters most, Christ, so that he can change him and change your ways, so no matter what happens to you, you'll be okay. Now, I'm not sure what passage of the Bible they were studying in that South Carolina church right before this tragedy occurred, but it would have been fitting if it had been the text we heard as our gospel reading this morning. 
especially the part where Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly Father, for he makes his sun rise on the bad and the good and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. This, of course, is one of the most difficult commandments of Jesus to obey in the concrete circumstances of our lives. We all know that, and we all know it by experience. It's difficult for us because we all share a common human nature which is tainted by original sin. Consequently, our first instinct as human beings is to hate those who are our enemies, to curse those who hate us, not to love them. But loving them is certainly possible, as the four people I just mentioned made clear to Dylan Roof by the things they said to him just a few days after he murdered their loved ones. But it was hard. Make no mistake about it, it was hard for these people. And one of them made that fact crystal clear when she said that she was, quote-unquote, very angry, and that she was, quote-unquote, a work in progress with respect to forgiveness. God bless that woman for her honesty. But the important thing to note is she was moving in the right direction by making the effort, that is to say, by making the choice, by making the decision to deal with her anger and to love this man who had brutally killed her sister. Here I think we get a few insights as to what it means and what it does not mean to love your enemies. First of all, to love your enemies is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's a decision. It's not an emotion. Liking is an emotion. We all have certain people in this life, in this world, whom we like more than others. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's normal. That's part and part of human, normal human behavior. Loving is different. Loving, in the sense that Jesus uses the term here, means, in the words of Scripture scholar William Barclay, unconquerable benevolence, invincible goodwill. That's love in the sense that Jesus uses it in this text. Unconquerable benevolence, invincible goodwill. In his commentary on the Gospel of Matthew, Barclay says this, If we regard a person with agape, that's the Greek word for love that's used in this passage in Matthew, if we regard a person with agape, it means that no matter what that person does to us, no matter how he treats us, no matter if he insults us or injures us or grieves us, we will never allow any bitterness against him to invade our hearts, but will regard him with that unconquerable benevolence which will seek nothing but his highest good. It's a very important insight, a key insight, because it reminds us that it's possible to have unconquerable benevolence and invincible goodwill toward everybody, even toward the people that we don't like. Make no mistake about it, my brothers and sisters, the four people whom I quoted a few moments ago do not like Dylan Roof. They do not like what he stands for, racism, etc., hatred. 
they probably have had very few good feelings, if any good feelings, about him or toward him since all this happened two years ago. But by the grace of God, they have made the decision to desire what's best for him, his highest good, as Barclay would say. That's especially evident in the comment of the last woman who said, and here I quote again, I forgive Dylan Roof and my family forgives him, but we would like him to take this opportunity to repent. Repent, confess, give your life to the one who matters most, Christ, so that he can change him and change your ways, so no matter what happens to you, you'll be okay. To desire that the person who murdered your loved one, someone near and dear to you, to desire that such a person repent and go to heaven someday, that's love. That's Christian agape love. And that's the kind of love Jesus is talking about in this passage of Scripture. Doesn't mean that you pretend that your enemy didn't do anything wrong. Doesn't mean that you have to be best buddies with him or her from now on. Doesn't mean that you have to dispense with justice and punishment. Not at all. Believe it or not, sometimes agape love requires those things. As Barclay put it in his commentary, if we regard a person with invincible goodwill, it will often mean that we must punish him, that we must restrain him, that we must discipline him, that we must protect him against himself. Of course, it will be remedial punishment, not vengeful punishment, but it will be punishment nonetheless. Archbishop Fulton Sheen once said this. He once said, the real test of the Christian is not how much he loves his friends, it's how much he loves his enemies. Since that's the case, I think it's safe to say that those four grieving relatives that I quoted in this homily, they're currently passing the test with flying colors in the midst of a situation in which it would be very easy for them to hate their enemy, they have chosen to love him with agape love. As far as I'm concerned, they all deserve A's, A pluses on the exam. By the grace of God that we receive at this Mass, especially in and through the Holy Eucharist, the body and blood of Jesus himself, may we all make the choice to follow their examples in our daily lives.